This is Physician to Physician Plant-Based Nutrition. I'm Tracy Cushing, an emergency medicine physician. I'm also a mom, a wife, four-time Ironman, and I've been plant-based for 11 years. And I'm Eden English. I'm an internal medicine physician, a hiker, a ski boarder, a mom, and I've been vegan for the last five years. We're passionate about helping other doctors learn the science behind plant-based eating so they can help their patients develop sustainable, healthy eating habits. Each episode, we're breaking down the science behind plant-based eating and answering the questions we know most doctors have and most patients ask. There's tons of reasons that your patients might have gone plant-based. More and more patients are going plant-based for a variety of reasons. Unfortunately, doctors don't get education about plant-based nutrition in med school. We have to dig for it on our own if we're interested. The reason that we want to do this program is to help give another resource to doctors that are trying to talk to their patients about plant-based medicine. And we're trying to fill in the gaps in that nutrition education for most of us who got maybe less than two days of nutrition education in medical school, most of that being focused on vitamin deficiencies and not healthy diets. And we really believe that just like smoking and intimate partner violence and falls and all of the other things that we ask patients about routinely, we really should be asking them about what they're eating, which almost certainly contributes to whatever disease pathophysiology we're seeing them for. So we're here to convince you to convince your patients to eat a plant-based diet. Exactly. And just what Tracy was saying, I'm internal medicine. So I talk to all my patients about all of the things she listed. And I also always talk to them about diet. But what I hear a lot is either thank you or no one's ever talked to me about that before. So we want to do exactly what Tracy's saying and make sure that you're comfortable talking about diet and then fielding any questions that they might have about how it's possible that a plant-based diet could be healthy or any of the other questions that you know they will come up with once you open the door to a nutrition conversation with your patients. So we want to give you a toolbox full of not just studies, but websites and other resources that can make you feel comfortable that plant-based nutrition really is healthy and to answer some of the really common questions that patients will bring your way. Where do you get your protein? All those things. We want to make sure that you've got the answers in your toolbox to give to patients so that you're comfortable with this discussion that is so important because we know that diet is the cause of many of these diseases and plant-based diet can fix it. We also want to give you resources, including evidence behind plant-based diets. And so we are physicians and we are here hopefully to educate other physicians and physicians like data. And so we want to share with you the data that supports our decision um, to both be plant-based personally, as well as advocating it for our patients. Eden, why did you become a vegan? I went vegan and it it's interesting because I've been vegetarian for since about ninth grade off and on. And then I went pescatarian in med school. But when I did that, it was for initially the animals. And then later it was for the environment because I knew obviously eating an animal is not the best thing for that animal. And then more and more now we realize how bad particularly red meat is for the environment. So I'd done all that, but I never looked into the health side of it. When I moved out to Colorado five years ago, um, I was here by myself for a few months and I watched a video of Netflix documentary, Food Choices, um, that really just illuminated how bad dairy and chicken and fish is for not only the environment, but for your health. And it was the first real glimpse into how healthy a plant-based diet can be for me. 
So I watched that and I went vegan. We'll talk later about the difference between vegan and whole food plant-based. But I watched it and decided that for the animals, for the environment, I can't eat animal products anymore. I had a discussion with myself about whether I should throw out with my milk or try to give it to somebody at work. Ended up throwing it out. But after that, I've not really eaten any animal products since. And initially, like I said, it was for the environment, for the animals. Those were my top two. But I didn't stop with food choices. I started watching all of the content that's out there from Dr. Greger, Dr. Esselstein, Colin Campbell, Dr. Kim Williams. There's all this abundance of research and information and documentaries about how healthy a plant-based diet is for your patients. And I was really blown away and started to feel guilty that I hadn't started talking to my patients sooner about plant-based diet. So now I've really armed myself with the tools to have this discussion with patients. And I liken it to smoking cessation discussions all the time because patients aren't excited when you have that discussion, but getting them to quit and turn that corner and be healthier is so rewarding that it's worth having five discussions where they don't to have that one discussion where they do. But what about you, Tracy? Because you've been vegan a lot longer than I do. I'd love to hear your story. Uh, I've been vegan for 11 years um, and vegetarian most of my life. Started in uh, late middle school because I had dogs and cats. And to me, they seemed just as sentient as a cow or pig. And so I stopped eating meat. And I didn't really think much about dairy until I had a child and I breastfed that child. And then I read the book Skinny Bitch and the chapter on dairy and what is done to dairy cows to make, to produce milk. In addition to the fact that someone very clearly pointed out to me that we are the only mammals that breastfeed from other mammals when we drink cow's milk. And it just clear as day at that moment, I just gave up dairy and everything else. I had long since and I'm an ethical vegan, so I had long since given up wearing leather and, you know, you know, I only buy vegan products and all that sort of thing um, now and for animals mostly. And always knew that my dietary choices were good for the planet. So um, those are the big reasons for me. It also just has added health benefits. My daughter's been vegan since birth. Um, she's very healthy. She's about to turn 10. My husband is also vegan. We just got married, so I'm not used to saying it yet quite again. But uh, We need to do an episode about your wedding food at some point. Absolutely. Um, and we, And I'm an emergency medicine physician, so honestly, diet doesn't come up all that often, but I love when it does. Because I find that if I just tell people, you know, I'm, I'm plant-based, here are some things you might think about, they really are open to that discussion most of the time. Um, because it, I guess it wouldn't come up otherwise in my job if they weren't slightly open to it. But I love the opportunity to educate patients about little choices that they can make in, in whatever you know, regard that happens, be it their health, be it their environmental footprint, um, be it their little guide dog that I then liken to a pig. And <laughs> I'm not above using <laughs> comparisons like that sometimes. So that was kind of my journey. And I just decided I wanted other doctors to really know how bad so much of what we consume is for our health. I couldn't agree more. And I love trying to get the word out. So I'm so excited we're doing this. And I 
I mean, like you, my family is vegan now. They went right after I did. So about five years ago, my husband went and then my children, my daughter was right behind me and my son just a year behind after he saw how bad dairy was. So he saw similar things to how they treat the cows that are producing that dairy that Americans so love. Um, and it's really just pretty devastating when you look into it. And again, we're mostly going to talk about health benefits today, but your patients may come to you and say, I am now plant-based. Is that okay? And we want to make sure that you're comfortable with that too, that you're not in any way telling them that they need to eat things that they definitely don't need to eat. So we're going to talk some about how healthy plant-based is and some about vegan diets and whole food plant-based diets. And I feel like we should clarify that fairly early on, just in case there's any confusion amongst the listeners. And, and Tracy and I are both vegan. And that typically means that we will not have any animal products anywhere in our life. We don't use animal-based makeups. We don't have leather sofas, leather shoes, any of that stuff. Um, the healthiest diet for anyone is a whole food plant-based diet, which is definitely a vegan diet, but it's also really minimal in the processed or no processed food. Um, and so we'll talk about the differences there, but if you're looking for full health benefits, Whole food plant-based is definitely the way to go. And we just wanted to make sure we clarify the difference there. And so we're going to talk a lot about transition diets and how to get your patients to go from wherever they are now to vegan or if they're on a transitional diet. We do have studies that show that plant-based burgers are healthier than meat burgers. So Beyond went head-to-head -head with beef and won. But we're not recommending that you tell all your patients to eat a diet rich in Beyond Burgers, Oreos, and French fries. We'll talk about how that might still be healthier than what they're doing now, but we certainly want you to recommend more of a whole food plant-based diet or as close as they can get to it. And one of the studies that we'll include in our discussion today and in our um, story notes is uh, the food group study um, where it really shows that there's a healthy plant-based dietary index or an HPDI. And I love to talk to my patients about it now because it shows that the higher you are on this HPDI, the better you are and the longer you live across a lot of different disease states. And the food groups that are really toxic are processed meat, red meat, sugar-sweetened beverages. Um, and the ones that are really healthy are fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds. And I use that exact line on my patients all the time, more of these food groups, less of these food groups. Yes, ideally, I want you all to go whole food plant-based, but certainly getting closer is better and keep pushing. You don't have to go vegan or whole food plant-based overnight. Just go more that direction, more of the healthy stuff, less of the bad stuff. And Tracy and I will keep bringing up studies and reasons and particular diseases that can really be cured with a whole food plant-based diet. But we don't want you to take home that you absolutely have to be 100% vegan for this to work. Getting closer is definitely better. We do want you to take home that going 100% vegan is in no way risky. We want you to make sure you know that you get plenty of protein in this diet and that you get all the nutrients you need. We'll do individual episodes on the protein and on the supplementation thing. But that's one of the biggest concerns I hear from patients when I recommend a whole food plant-based diet is that they won't get the nutrition they need. And really there's nothing farther from the truth. That is the healthiest diet if you eat a whole food plant-based diet. So we'll talk to you about that and some different things you can talk to your, you can tell your patients to do to avoid those fears. And uh, I can tell you personally, I'm a four-time Ironman all while vegan. So it is definitely possible 
to get enough protein on a vegan diet. And we will have an episode about vegan athletes and what do they eat and meeting some of those needs. Uh, I think it's also important and we'll try to hit on meals that are easy to prepare. There's a myth that being vegan is complicated and the food is really you know, difficult, not the case. And we realize most of y'all are working professionals and you don't have the luxury of two hours to sit home and prep a meal and you don't need that. There's plenty of amazing recipe resources out there that will not take you two hours to prepare that you can make a nice healthy meal for your family, for your kids to take to school. And so we'll we'll try to help reference that as much as possible in the show notes as well, because we want practical advice for both you and, and your patients in terms of meal preparation and that this isn't a huge change. One thing that can be helpful, I found, is I came from an Italian and Lebanese background that was incredibly meat-centered. Uh, my family used to literally roast a lamb on the lawn in Michigan every summer. Um, so very meat-centered. And now my 75-year-old mom can make most of those meals with substitutes, with vegan substitutes. And so teaching people, they don't have to give necessarily give up the things that they love. They can just be prepared in a different way and still be delicious and be much more healthy. And that can be helpful in teaching people to transition. It's not you have to give up everything you've ever known. Food is really important to people culturally and in, in families. Um, and so we want people to understand you don't have to give up those traditions and those foods that you love. You can just prepare them differently and they'll be a lot healthier and still the same foods that you love. So I couldn't agree more, Tracy. And I mean, it is it is one of the biggest challenges of going vegan. You decide to go vegan, you're set, you've got your fridge stocked, you're good to go. And even once you learn that, you know, cooking at home is easier when you're vegan because vegetables cook faster than meat. Most of them can be eaten raw, but you sear them and they're pretty good to go. You can throw everything in at 425 and it's pretty tasty. So really it's easy to cook vegan, but then you leave the house and you go to your friend's house and they're like, you went what? So you have to explain over and over and over again why you made this choice. And it's very frustrating. Um, and it can be frustrating when restaurants don't have what you need or when friends are like, well, is it okay if this just has a little bit of bacon in it? Um, so you really have to change. And that's the hardest thing for people. And like Tracy said, you can make every recipe that you've ever made with some similar vegan recipe. So I haven't really found anything that I used to eat that I can't make in a vegan form. Again, we would love it if everyone went whole food plant-based, which would mean even more change. But transitioning by making some of those, you know, have a burger, have chicken fingers. My son eats chicken fingers all the time, plant-based chicken fingers, but they're chicken fingers. It, it's a transition and we want to help you and your patients figure out how to best get there. But it will take some change and some willingness to look for different things in restaurants or to find restaurants that do serve vegans. And there are tons now. We'll go ahead and call out Happy Cow. It's a great app for your phone that'll tell you about local vegan restaurants in whatever city you're traveling to. And they aren't full vegan restaurants. It's any restaurant that has vegan offerings will be on Happy Cow. And you can find it, go eat it, grab it, try different things out. Um, the palettes are going to be a little different on the vegan diet. So play around with it. There's 18 different kinds of vegan burgers. Decide which one you like best and eat that one when you do go for a burger. We want to give you all the resources um, and we want to make sure you know that 
once you're on the other side, it feels easy. I think Tracy will agree. It's not a struggle for me to be vegan at all now. I've been doing it for five years. I know where to get foods. I know where to eat out. My family and friends are aware of my dietary restrictions. I will usually bring my own food when I go places so they don't have to cook for me, but they're much better now at offering too. So it really is just a process. We don't expect it to happen overnight for anyone, but we are here to help you make it happen. Um, and Tracy, I don't know if you have any feelings on it. I think you do, but I feel so much healthier since I went vegan and that was in no way my intent. But since going vegan, I have more energy. I'm not doing the Ironmans Tracy's doing, but I climb a lot of mountains. I exercise every day. And if I don't, I feel like I have too much energy to burn. It's not that I feel like, oh no, I need to go exercise. It's like, mm, I'm a little restless. I got to get out and burn off this energy. I sleep well. I mean, it, it's just wonderful the things that the vegan diet has done for me. Yeah, I agree. I'm a lot healthier considering I've worked night shifts for 17 years. Um, but I'm a lot healthier than I was in my 20s, for sure. Uh, I exercise a lot more than I did in my 30s, for sure. Um, and I definitely think being vegan has contributed to that. Like, I think I did get it already, though. Generally, we all know eating meat is bad for us, but 20% of greenhouse emissions are caused by animal harvesting. So if we're looking at ways to improve the environment, that 20% is just as bad as the transportation sector. Um, but like Tracy and I both said, it's bad for the animals. It is devastating to the environment. So it's probably something we should start telling our patients to avoid. And my favorite or my most highly referenced article for the environmental aspect of food is the Lancet article, Food and the Anthropocene. And if any of you haven't read it, you really should, because it is the Lancet, it is a very reputable journal, and it just very clearly lays out the carbon footprint of different foods and of what it's going to require to feed the projected population on Earth in the next 20 to 100 years. And this just simply is not a sustainable way of eating. And so if you care about climate change, that is the place I would start if you haven't read it already, that will kind of just lay it out for you. Food production, as Eden said, 20% of global greenhouse gas emissions, 40% of land use, and 70% of freshwater use. Um, and again, it's just entirely unsustainable for the planet. So we'll have the link to that in our show notes. And I love that study too, Tracy. And that one of the things that I I like and dislike about it is they sort of end up saying everybody gets to eat one serving of meat and one serving of dairy per day and the planet can survive. Um, and I like to take that and break it down a little bit further because I think that we can all agree that not everyone is going to adopt this diet. And I think we all have at least one friend or relative that thinks that if they don't have meat at every single meal and a pretty big honking portion, they have not eaten. And so we're dealing with that globally as the mentality and then we're also dealing with countries that are developing and are just now having the opportunity to eat meat. And they really might need to include some meat in their diet until they get enough plant-based sources of calories. But what we need to look at when we're looking at saving the planet is the reality that not everyone is going to go to one serving of meat and one serving of cheese. And some of us that can need to go further, need to compensate. Um, and you know, I just don't want people to feel like I get one burger and one piece of cheese a day. If you get the burger with cheese on it, you're done too. But even then, even if we say you get one serving of meat, it's three ounces and it's one slice of cheese. And that means no milk anywhere else, no eggs in your baked goods, no other trickling stuff on anywhere else. 
So it really means we have to look at how we make food um, and how we feed this population. And just looking at things like the droughts that are happening now, um, and they're trying to make tough decisions. Well, if we could cut down the cattle, and I know it's easier said than done, but they are taking up, as, as Tracy said, 70% of the water use is going to cattle. Um, and then the crops that feed the cattle, it's much more resource friendly to feed the plants directly to the people. Instead of having that intermediary of the animal process the plant food for us, there is a one to seven ratio or seven to one calories in versus calories out. So you have to feed a cow seven calories to get one calorie back. It is not an efficient process. So there is tons of waste there. And if we just eat the vegetables, we're healthier and it really tastes better once you get the hang of it. So again, that's what we're trying to talk to you about today. It's all the different reasons that people are going to be vegan and the patients may know some of this or it may be on you to help educate them. But we want to make that connection to plants are healthy, animals are not for the environment, but for you too. And how do you get from standard American or whatever diet they're on now to closer to a vegan or whole food plant-based diet? How can you help them overcome obstacles and get there? Or if they come to you and say they want to go that way, how can you reassure them that that is the healthiest way to go? And here's a few key things you might want to keep in mind. So the next episode, we're going to focus on some high-level nutritional studies that are long-term population studies showing the benefits of eating less meat all the way down to a full whole food plant-based diet. And then in future episodes, we're going to talk specifically about protein. How much do you need? Where do you get it as a plant-based person? Um, we're going to talk about soy specifically and breast cancer, which is a topic near and dear to my heart as a breast cancer survivor. There's a lot of misinformation out there that I would like to correct. We are also going to hit episodes on specific disease states. So there is tons of information about plant-based diets specifically related to diabetes and heart disease. We'll do specific episodes on each of those topics. Um, we will do an episode on vitamins and what you might need to supplement though short answer, maybe take a B12, but we'll go into a lot more detail um, with later episodes. And there really are many disease states that are helped by plant-based diet. We might not get to every single one, but we will focus on individual disease states and how we know that plant-based diet helps. And like Tracy said, next episode, we're gonna cover sort of the general long-term population studies that show basically all-cause mortality is reduced with a plant-based diet which is the the summation of our story you do this you will likely live longer um dr gregor has the the how not to die cookbook which shows that 14 of the top 15 reasons that we die in the u.s are helped by plant-based diets and if you're wondering about that last one it's accidents so vegans are not less likely to get hit by a bus but just about everything else we do better on we're also going to talk about some particular cases, either patients of ours or cases from the literature um, that helped us solidify that this is the right way to go in our minds. So it's really from the small to the large that you can talk to your patients about how this might help them um, and treat a disease without adding a pill or without adding a surgery or another procedure um, and get them a diet that is not a short term dietary fix but a lifestyle modification that will keep them healthy for the rest of their longer lives. 
This is Tracy and Eden signing off. Less meat means less disease. Go have a happy plant-based day.